0: All right, and I'm going to do the intro, and uh, and here we go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Love the Comics by the Comics for the Comics. This episode's going to be a good one. We got Dario Durham and Vic Ponya, two of my favorites from Chicago. Wonderful performers. I'm your host, Pat Ruer. Today's show is about creating your own opportunities in comedy. When I started, uh, it was very easy for me to think that I was owed something uh, just because I was funny. That is not the case, and it was actually these two gentlemen that we have on the show today that helped me find my path and create my own opportunities in comedy, which have led to so many more opportunities for others and myself. And so that's the theme of today's show. We're going to jump right in. Vic, we're going to start with you. For the listeners who do not know you, who are you? Thank you,
1: sir. Appreciate it. My name is Vic Pondi. I'm a Chicago-based stand-up comedian. Uh, I travel the country nationally doing stand up. I've been doing stand up for like six years, actually coming up on six, um, which is insane. I haven't quit yet, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> basically, uh, yeah, like I said, started in Chicago, but um, produce a bunch of shows around town, and also um, help you know run a lot of different events and, and do a lot of corporate shows and things like that. So, but really, just a Chicago guy who's trying to trying to make it in this crazy business.
0: Terrific. Dario, how about you, buddy? What's the what's the Dario Durham overview?
2: Uh, basically, I'm, I'm like Vic. I'm a comedian here in Chicago, born and raised in Chicago. Um, been doing stand up for four years, comedy as a whole for five years. Um, I work a day job, too. So that, <laughs> in the mix of everything else, producer all around the city. I don't travel as much as Vic, but um, I've, I've been around. Um, but you can catch me all over the city um actually own my own company that also is uh kind of putting together entertainment and and giving people opportunities and and being creative so uh that's uh that's the elevator pitch for me
0: oh that's terrific so that's a great lead in so uh both of you and, and let's start with dario on this when did you first realize that you needed to create your own opportunity and if you could give us a series of events that led up to it your emotions your thoughts and then what you actually did about it please
2: Uh, So for me, it was more so right when I got out of the second city class. So I I went through the second city class right around 2017. And when I finished that, um, we went, I went right into uh, our own show. We had this show called Stand Up for Diversity. And it was at North Bar here in Chicago on the north side Wicker Park area. And so I didn't really go to any open mics or anything like that. We kind of had our own shows. So I jumped right into doing shows, granted, I wasn't that good, but I I was doing them and I jumped right into it. And that's when I kind of realized, man, I'm getting up a lot more frequently than a lot of people uh, are at this age stage of the game. And that's when I knew I kind of wanted to just follow that kind of rhythm and create my own lane and not have to hustle as hard that direction. We're trying to to ask people to put me on and, and such. So, uh, but some of that is, just me outside of comedy too. Like I'm always trying to find my own way and trying to create my own kind of path. So, um, if I go further down the timeline there, I got an opportunity to host a show at my buddies up North, uh, right in Uptown and given that opportunity, that was my first real producing job. Uh, and, and ever since then I was, you know, I was in the mix of, I was the one booking people. I was the one always getting up and, at that point, it, it the wheels turn and the, the creativity start to flow,
0: yeah. Dario, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that opportunity at my Buddies came about because you did a show and you did you decided you were really going to give it your all, and then the yeah. producers of the show saw you give it your all, and then that opportunity came about. Is that am I remembering that right?
2: You are, you uh, there's one piece that uh that that you forgot is uh, I was slighted, uh, <laughs> 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 I was slighted, so I'm also a 90s kid, so I remember. I remember things like that. Jordan taught me well. So, um but but you're right. Um I had opportunity um and and I unfortunately I didn't get chosen for, it, but they saw that hey, this guy's a good host, you know. This, he's he's got a lot of energy, so let's give him that kind of way back in. And when I got back in, you know, it was just the I took the ball and ran with it. I became frequent there and and, and the rest is history, I think late, about 4 months later, if I if I'm correct, 4 or 5 months later, I was the the new producer of that show.
0: Yeah. But the key part of that to me that sticks out is that you really went hard. You knew there was something there, but like you, you do that traditionally with every time I've seen you perform by like you give it your all, which is a consistent in stand up of like, when you really give it your all, it leads to so many more opportunities instead of just getting on stage and saying, you know what? I don't like my position in this show. I don't like the producer or anything like that. You, you just focused on your own style and you're like, I'm giving it. And then so many things happen as a result of that. And I know that's happened a lot. Wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That. I mean, that's. Uh, I feel like everybody should have that kind of thought process too, because you're gonna get a lot of no's. You're probably gonna get more no's than you do yeses, and it's yeah. and it's it's kind of what you do with both of those that determine. I think a lot of people look at it as you know when you do get an opportunity, you have to run with it, but just as well as you get a missed opportunity, you got to run with it. So, uh, for me, I just you know you never stop. You never stay complacent. Um. And and just make sure that you you have a focus, and you know what your skill level is, and you you know your drive, and um, just just keep on going because you never know what can come of it. We, I know we'll get into it, but there's you know there's so many things that I can say about like that kind of thought process of of keep on going. So yeah, absolutely, that's that's one hundred percent true.
0: All right, Vic. Now, what about your path, buddy? Led to the opportunities that you you've been getting and developing yourself.
2: Yeah,
1: very, very kind of similar. And Dario and I actually had a conversation about this uh, a few months ago on his podcast. Um, But really, after exiting Second City, so I did that in like 2014, 2015. um, And that's where I met a couple of their producers and we formed Team Us Comedy. But we we were kind of all doing stand-up while we're doing improv. But we weren't really, you know, taking it super seriously. We're just kind of doing it for fun. And then we realized like the three of us together, we're like, we should do a show. Like we're three people. We think we're funny. We have a bunch of friends that would want to see us perform and we're not getting booked because we're like two weeks into comedy, right? Into stand up. (laughs) And so we're like, how do we, how do we create ourselves like an opportunity for ourselves? And then also we, we knew that early on, we're like, well, there's so many bar shows. There's so many shows at these like comedy clubs, right? So how do we make our show different? So we're all professionals with nine to five jobs. We're like, what can we do to stand out? So we're like, let's do a show downtown for young professionals, people who have money, disposable income, and also let's make the venue something totally different. Let's do it in an office building, like after hours. Let's make it cool. Like, let's take the work happy hour concept and like flip it on its head a little bit. So we had two people who worked at Leo Burnett, um, Megan Durty and Tyler Fowler, and we were able to get a huge room in the Burnett building, which if you know Chicago overlooks Wacker Drive, it's amazing. So we were able to get that space like rent-free, we make the show BYOB, which gets around the ticket price. You know, when you think of downtown comedy show, you think like two item minimum, you think like parking, it's expensive ticket when you, you think about it. So we're like, how do we make this attractive to like young hit people? So we had all like the marketing and branding kind of know-how early on. We're like, we've been to some shows, we've seen what works, what doesn't. We did like our research, but really it was ultimately created to be like, we need stage time and there's people who want to see us. So we we created these shows and we we weren't we weren't as good producers we're good with like all the marketing but like the comedy itself we booked two headliners on the show <laughs> we we had you know like 12 comics cuz we were so excited about doing the show and like ended up being a huge success we had like 200 people at the show it was crazy it was a fun time and then we realized we we have something here and we got a little buzz and then we're like we're the greatest comedians and producers on earth you know we got a little cocky <laughs> after that first show but then we we just were like well we got to keep doing more so then that monthly show then turned into okay, what other shows can we start producing? So we really just started grinding our gear. Because again, we still weren't getting booked, but we knew with our own shows, we were getting better. Because then we had a goal of every month we had the show. So we're like the whole month between the shows, not only we're promoting the show, but we're also going out and micing and, and writing new material. Because I know my same four friends are going to come back and I don't want them to see the same five minutes they saw. So it kind of kept us like this moving goalpost of like, Yes, we have to keep creating opportunities. Then we just started approaching venues and asking them if they, we can do a show. And every time we approached a venue or like talk to someone different, we're like, how do we make this show unique? And what's the branding position of this show versus our other shows? Um, and what are we doing that other people aren't doing? That was like our big thing is like, how do we make our shows different? And, you know, we did an office building. So the first show we all wore like suits because we're like, look, that can be a funny shtick, right? And then that's how I became known as like the suit comedian, because I would wear <laughs> these suits on shows. Cause I was just trying to make myself different because when you're that new, you're like, I'm not gonna be the funniest person in the room, right? You're like a week in a comedy, but I can be the most prepared, I can be the most attentive, I can be the you know, best dressed. And so <laughs> I was like, at least that will be a member. I'll bomb, but I'll look great, you know. So it was one of those things where we we kind of like had these little like gimmicks, I guess, and they they ended up being like big things that we could use as like, oh, that's a team us comedy show. Like, that's how you know it's a team us show. It's like they got a lineup printed out. They gave you something cool. We had a sponsors. Like we started getting really just very corporate approach to it, but also still like all the best comedy in Chicago. Like we booked the best comics, and we we were re- very much mindful of like the show needs to be really good because we got people we know are going to tell people they know, and we want that word of mouth to spread. Um, and Dario will tell you like it's all about your brand. Like you you can't sacrifice the quality of the product. Um, Yeah, he's got the sponsor right there. Like He's got the LID sponsor. It's amazing. So that's kind of how we what the impetus was, was purely for stage time. And then after enough time of producing those shows, then your name starts to get out there. People like, hey, who's running these crazy two, 300 person shows in office buildings downtown? Like these guys are six weeks into comedy and they're doing these insane shows. So we just like we're really that kept us so focused because we were just so busy doing our own shows that we didn't even think about stepping foot in the clubs for like six months to a year. And then when we did step foot, like a year later, the, like I'm I ride, step foot in the laugh factory. And the booker at the laugh factory was like, Oh, you're like already good. Like you're, you're better than most people who come here at this early on. And I was like, yeah, cause I've been like busting my ass, you know, doing all these shows for so long. And he's like, I appreciate that. Most people come here when they're not ready. So it is a thing. It's like, you never know when the right time is, but I'd say keeping your head down and doing the work and creating your own opportunities when you do then try to you know take that next step, you're going to be so much better positioned because you've done the production, you've done the back end stuff, you've seen, you've watched so much comedy at this point, you know how to structure a lineup, like, you know, all these little things that will help your own comedy. Um, so I was just getting all those skills way earlier than I think I would have if I didn't do any of that. Because like Pat, you know, you know, just going to mics can only
0: teach you so much. Oh, yeah, really, the, the more I'm diving into the corporate world and audiences that actually enjoy comedy, the, I'm realizing that the open mic value is really just being able to talk to a group of people who's not listening. Yes, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. for sure. <laughs> that's uh, that's it. But uh, so, you know, I, I want to spend a little more time on the element of producing a good show. And then I want to talk about some other opportunities that you guys have created for yourselves. You said you got to create a good show. That's the foundation of it. Right. So what is that? What does that mean? And let's uh, Dario back to you.
2: Yeah. Um, I think creating a good show is first having an identity uh, of what you want that show to be. So kind of like what Vic was saying, the, the, the whole stick with them was it was office setting uh, suit dressed up looking nice. Um, and, and same thing would be positive productions. It's, it's more uh, energy positivity music, laughter, just good entertainment. So I would say that's the first step uh, to, to kind of starting your own show, you know, because what, what do you want the show to be, right? Uh, and you got to have it be something that's marketable, you know, a lot. And there's a lot of shows out there with name titles and that, that stuff matters, you know what I mean? And this is, you know, I heard this from many people. So you got to pick something that, that's a bit more marketable uh, if you want to go bigger, depending on how big you want to go. If you want to stay in a certain lane, you stay in that lane. Um, but I would also say the second thing that you want to do is you got to be observant um, uh, of the surroundings. And what I mean by that is um, you got to know the scene. You know, we're, we're on the comedy scene and you can't just book your same five people. You know, Vic mentioned that he had some of the best comedians still. And that's not without going and scouting, in a sense, and going to see who's out there and, and what kind of talent is out there. Put yourself out there to ask those people to, hey, be on my show, help me with my brand um and then from there we talked pat i said you got to have that relationship with the the establishment so wherever you are whether it be the bar whether it be a, a club whether whatever the the building is the space is you got to have that relationship and and i make it a, a point <laughs> a point to kind of talk to the the bar owner the way i talk to the bartender the way i talk to the 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 cook this the wait staff uh everybody in the in the whole um building there and you kind of that helps out the whole situation so whenever you have that show you know you know what you can and what you can't do you know the limits and you know what they're willing to do you know there and then they're willing to do more if you show that kind of respect back to them uh the last thing i would say is definitely be organized you got to be organized i mean i got probably six or seven different spreadsheets so uh but everything is organized and i i have it color coded you know and i have a i have a method behind it and, and and such so you combine those four things together to me that makes a good that's a start of a good producer show because then there's the actual element of of producing you know like there's the you got to put a product out there on the field so to say and and uh if you do that back work beforehand you know it just makes the job a lot more easy
0: yeah vic what do you think makes a good show but aside yeah. from the elements that Dario just mentioned,
1: I was going to say that, that establishing the relation to venues is so key. Um, you know, there's so many shows that you, you go to where you can tell the bar is like, I hate the fact that there's <laughs> comedy here. Like, you you know, it's so funny. You walk into the establishment, the TVs are on, you know, the, the owner is swearing, like someone's in a fight and you're just like, this is the comedy show. We're, we're coming to the show, right? Like the comedy show, like no one wants it to happen. So that is so key. Like, don't work with people who don't want to work with you you know right. and if you can't convince them that the show is going to be a net positive for both your brands then move it elsewhere you know but so many comics are just like oh i got the show at this you know x dive bar like that's just a spot you know you can do that anywhere you know there's people doing shows outside for free you know right. you don't need to you don't need to do this you know so i would say i would reiterate that fact um and then kind of what daria was leading into is the show itself you know how you structure the show is very important, like. It's a lot of times, you know, you if you're not familiar with the audience, like try to cater the lineup to the audience. So we were doing these shows downtown. So we knew it's like younger people, you know, professionals who, you know, are willing to pay a a, not a crazy high ticket price, but also not like they're not broke. You know, so they're trying to they want to see some like comedy that's not open mic comedy. So we're booking comedy comedians who are better than us. You know, at this stage we were doing this is like a year in. So we're booking people that are like featuring and headlining at clubs because we want the audience to come back. We don't want it to be like, yes, we booked a couple of our friends, but we want the audience to be like, wow, that was not only like a really cool show. It was also like really like I've seen the same level of talent at any of the clubs, but I got to see it in a cooler space and like hang out after the show and turn into a night So we also try to like distinguish our product a little bit in our brand by being like, you get a ticket, ticket gives you the show, but it also gives you the after party and you get a drink with your ticket too. You should go to the after party. So we try to create these like package deals. So it was really a night out. So again, going back to, why is our show different or what is the experience going to be? Cause these people have options, right? If you go to a comedy, you can just Google comedy shows in Chicago and you'll be presented with 200 shows. So it's like, how do you stand out? It's like, no, this is the location's different. So that's like, we stood out that way, but also we get to make it like a fun, you know, it's a one-stop shop. You buy a ticket and you're going to, your whole night's taken care of. You got the bar, you got the place to go afterwards. You got all your friends there. And so that was what we really started doing was making it like, we build it as like, this is a night out, like this is going to be a a time and uh, probably led to a lot of um, alcohol consumption for like six months. (laughs) But um, it was very fun. Like it was it turned into like, this is like a, a party, you know, and that's what we wanted to keep going. And when you don't have much else going on, like that's your one show a month, you can do that. And like you can sustain that and work towards it every month. But in terms of the show itself too, like, all the little pieces that people don't think about, like I kind of mentioned the production elements, like having music between acts, if you can. So there's transition, right? There's not just dead air, having energy, kind of what Dari was talking about. His shows, he does a great job of doing this. He's a DJ at most of his shows. We had a DJ too at most of our shows. So it's like that person is, their whole job is to keep, the dead space from like ever ruining the, the mood of the show so they can play before the show starts. They can play us out. They can play if you have an intermission um, it just adds like another element and it looks cool. You know, people are like talking to the DJ just adds this element. Um, and also it, it makes the the show just like the hype the whole time is like at this energy is never dipping. So you don't have to reset after every comic, right? Even if someone doesn't do great, you can kind of rebound really quick. I mean, we even did a live band at a show once, which <laughs> which was amazing. Uh, it felt like a late night show. So like just kind Good. of tweaking with that formula, you know, trying things like trying to trying to do things differently um, and, and making it the best possible show. And then finally, like ask for feedback, you know. A lot of a lot of shows don't do this, but you're like, ah, the show was so bad as a comic comedian. How many shows do we do that? We're like, that was a terrible show. (laughs) Right. But very few (laughs) times does a producer come up to the comics or even the audience and be like, hey, what could I do to make this show better? Like we would ask, you know, we would we would ask people like, hey, what do you what you like, what you didn't like? And sometimes it would lead to like helpful things like you know, a lot of times it would be like, Oh wait, I like this part. Or like it was too long or like this, you know, I I didn't like this element and we use that to kind of refine the product further. So it's like anything, it's like, you know, test the, test it, put it out, test it, and then rebuild it and then do it again and just keep making it better and better.
0: Yeah. That's uh. so to summarize, like just oh and then move on to other uh, creating opportunity moments in your, in both your careers. Aside with shows uh, and from what I saw with you and then my own experience of like opportunities for comedians to get started, you start a show and it's good, you care about it. You will uh, not only get your own stage time, which is a primary concern for a lot at first, but also you will uh, be introduced to other comedians who they may have other shows or you will have other opportunities of audience members who may ask you to come to their private event or uh, another opportunity can come from that. Uh, you will learn the overall elements of what it means to put on a comedy show, which is extremely valuable for then when you go on someone else's show and you're the professional one, because it's not hard to be the professional one amongst a group of comedians. It's not. <laughs> it's <really> uh, so <laughs> so uh, listeners uh, communicate well, if you're running late, let them know. Uh, <laughs> it seems to be very hard for many comedians. Uh, and so like, those are just a few of the many examples uh, of potential opportunities. Opportunities as a result of putting in a lot of good, hard work to create an awesome show uh, and, and they can lead to many more things. And, and that was something that both you helped me out with quite a bit, which led to so many more opportunities. So, so that's the producing show part. But let's get in. I know you guys have all kinds of other cool projects that I want to get into. Uh that have led like something that you've done that's led to something else. Fresh off the top, we're going to we're going to go back to Dario on this cuz Dario the 77 flavors is where we're going on this. This is yes. taken off rapidly, and if you mm-hmm. don't mind sharing the how it the very simple fun story of how it got started, but essentially of how you decided to take action and invest in yourself and what you're doing and what it has led
2: to. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, 77 Flavors of Chicago podcast uh, that uh, explores the city as well as the food um, when it comes to the different community areas. For those of you that are familiar on iTunes, all streaming platforms everywhere. But um, it's really cool story how it started. We actually actually ran another podcast uh, called Be Positive of the Chicago Stories, which um, great content. The audio, we had audio issues and it's, that's self-recognition. We knew it. We didn't invest in the in the equipment at the time. We were kind of horse before the carriage type of situation. And I literally just said uh, to myself, I'm buying this equipment and we're going to make that podcast one of the best in the city. And I, those were my exact words. I told Darian, my my partner who did it with me. And uh, so, you know, I went to buy the equipment and I know my, my girlfriend, Sarah, she was a bit hesitant on dropping that much money at once because we spent we spent a lot of money y'all. So it was, it was a lot of money, but it was, I knew it was an investment. And, uh, when we bought the equipment, Sarah and I had been talking over the past six, seven months that we wanted to do something together. And, uh, because our chemistry is really good and we're kind of funny, you know, that's again, banking on ourselves. But, uh, when I bought the equipment, I remember I, t- I came home and I set it up. It was doing my lunch break. I set it up on my lunch break. And, uh, when I set it up, It was, um, it was like a joy to me. I just loved it. I was like, holy cow, this is, uh, this is gorgeous. This is, it sounds good. I finally got what I wanted. And I told Sarah, I said, hey, come over here and uh, check it out. Just, just listen to it real quick. And so she put the headphones on and she goes, oh, wow, my voice sounds good. (laughs) And so at at that point, she said, we should do a podcast together. And we made the podcast. Uh, The concept from that point on, to conception was about 15 minutes. We had the title down, we had the theme. The next day we recorded an episode already. uh, And then after that, we recorded another episode. So we had two episodes within the first two and a half days we even thought about this idea. Now this is where the story gets good, is um, when we had a friend on for the third episode and she had mentioned to us uh, that we should get our followers up. Cause I think we had like 95 followers at the time friends most of it was friends um and we had it wasn't a lot but we had been going for a couple weeks now we said how do we how do we grow the following and she told us how to grow the following and sarah started to run the run the page that way for instagram and we got the followers you know we got the followers i think within that first day we we doubled our followers and we were like holy cow that really worked you know so uh one of the followers so happened to be the uh Chicago food critic uh, for Chicago Tribune. So we were kind of like geeked about that. We were like, holy cow, this is kind of dope, man. The, the the food critic followed us. And Sarah says, should we message him? And I was like, nah, don't message. Don't bother him with this podcast. And like within the same breath, I stopped. I was like, nah, just go ahead and do it. You know, <laughs> like just, just ask him, like, what, what can hurt? He followed us. And so she messaged him. And when she messaged him, he said, I'm glad you messaged me. I was just about to message you all. Uh, I listened to the podcast and it sounded great. Can I talk to you all tomorrow? And we were like, what the hell? Like, so <laughs> we talked to him the next day. That was, that was a, a Monday. Tuesday, we talked to him. We had the, the interview and we're having an interview. He's telling us, this is key for everybody out there listening. Uh, the quality sound good. So don't be afraid to invest yourself immediately this this equipment paid for itself right there by just that comment he said he couldn't believe how good it sounded. he gets it every day uh everybody sends him podcasts but ours was the first one that sounded really good and we were like okay that's pretty cool we like tapping each other uh under the uh under um table like as we talk we like, like this is this is cool right and um as it goes when it was over we were just like what's gonna happen here like what happens and uh we you know we went on our day uh the next day was a wednesday i had a show we're at zany's and next thing you know uh i'm walking down the street barking uh trying to get some tickets sold and um i get an email from wgn radio and they're like we we saw your um uh your podcast uh, in the newspaper we want to bring you in for an interview and we, were, we were like what like when did this get put in the newspaper?" I ran back and Sarah's like, my phone is blowing up. It's going crazy. Like and she's getting all these followers. Uh, long story short, they published it and we, we had no clue. Uh, now we had Chicago Tribune, WGN radio, WGN TV, um, Fox news and so on and so forth. And that just, that just spawned a whole new, uh, breed of opportunities. I mean, we had Tobo Chico as a, is a partner of ours now. So, uh, we have a lot of fun with that. We've, We're meeting all kind of uh, uh, chefs and businesses are reaching out to us. So it's a beautiful thing was going on with uh, with it. But it just didn't come with if I didn't put myself out there to kind of buy the equipment just to gamble on it. Granted, it wasn't the podcast that I wanted, but it worked.
0: Yeah. Well, you put the work in, you came up yeah. with it and then you put the work in and you did it, which is the hugest difference maker, right? It's like, uh, it's so easy, uh, really at any point in comedy to say, I've got an idea and then not do anything about it. You, you guys did it. And then not only that, but you, you had been working hard on another project and, uh, and that led to this project, which has been a very valuable lesson of like, you got to put a lot of things out there. You got to put a lot of things out there. They won't always lead, to where you think they're going to lead however as long as you enjoy doing it and it stimulates your mind and your passion you will get something out of it eventually right like yeah. you there's no way if i asked you six months ago if you thought you would be doing a podcast about the 77 neighborhoods and the food in each one you'd be like get get out you'd be like you've been having you, that's yeah. too many edibles pat yeah too many. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, but it, yeah. And you love it and you get to do it with someone that you love and it's, it's taking off and you have fun with it. You get to instill your personality and that's because you did the work and you, you went for it, which is a yeah. huge difference maker. Like that's what creating your own opportunities is all about. Many times, nothing will happen. Nothing yeah. will happen. Like immediately, yeah. Imme- yeah. let me say that. Let me, nothing will happen immediately. Eventually something will happen. Uh, yeah. and so Vic, you have so many, buddy, what's one that you'd like to talk about?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think a couple of things before I even start that, that are really important to, to reiterate is like, you never know who's watching or who's listening. And, you know, in Dario's case, right. I think going back to kind of performing hundred percent every time. And Pat, you kind of touched on this too. So many times after shows, you'll you'll do a show that's maybe not a great show, but then afterwards, like two weeks later, someone will message you and they're like, Hey, I saw you at You know, Shaker's on Clark, and I'd love for you to come and do my kid's birthday party. And you're like, I didn't everyone bomb on that show. And you're like, you're like, how is this? But that's how it works. You never know in comedy who is watching and what they can do, right? You never know. So you have to going back to being consistent, you the whole show can be bad. If the show is good, everyone's gonna do, you know, everyone hopefully will get opportunities, but you really never know. So even if you don't think It's an opportunity it could be so i think that's one thing is always approach every situation like that um Mm -hmm. and you know dar is a great example of that is like he put out this podcast and he had already done multiple other projects multiple other podcasts and same thing with stand-up right if you already performed multiple times and you're constantly trying to get better every time you perform again you're technically a little bit better right so you've done the work and that way when a big opportunity comes you're ready for it. Cause you're like, I've been doing this. Maybe I tried six other podcasts before this one took off, but now I have the production expertise. I, I'm not just coming to this new. So kind of Pat, to what you were saying, you have to put your your, your hands in a lot of different pots. And I think for, we recognize that concept early on cause we were running multiple shows. But then as we started getting, you know, busier, just we started getting booked ourselves a lot more. We're like, okay, well, what else can we do? You know, what are some other things we can do? So we're like, how do we, again, keep evolving, keep being different? So we're like, what's a big project that we can do that no one has really done yet is like a a production team in Chicago. And we're like, we want to film a special, like fund it ourselves, like pay for it ourselves. And because you think about it, going back, it's kind of the same thing as getting, you know, stage time early on like no one's going to give it to you because you're so new no one knows who you are it's the same thing as producing a special comedy central isn't going to walk up to a comic who's two years in and be like do you want to do half an hour like they're not going to ask you that right so we all were like at least somewhat self-aware of like we all don't have a good hour we can't all produce three like one hour specials or two three years in a comedy but like we can do 20 minutes each and then package that into an hour so we're like, okay, well, how do we, we have all these shows. One is a successful show at a distillery we run. So we're like, let's film it there. Cause it looks so different than any other comedy special, right? The visual, like you got the tanks behind you. It looks like we're in breaking bad. It's a great setup for a com- like a venue, right? So like, let's, let's make this really cool project. Like let's film a special there. So we're like, okay, well, we got to make it different. Cause it's not just a normal show. So we did like two shows. We increased the capacity of the room we hired a like a video production team, like an actual person who makes movies to do our special. And they then hired like all the staff and the sound engineer. So we really it was a legitimate like crew setup. And it was really like a proud moment for us because we paid for that entire special with proceeds of all the shows that we had done up until that point, like three years of shows. So we didn't spend a dime of our own money to make the show happen. It was very cool. Like the concept of reinvesting the show was like materialized fully then. Cause we're like, we got to produce this thing just on our own and we had no business doing it, but we were like, let's just do it. Cause we can. And we made it again. It's like fake it till you make it, you know, everything hey. looked great. Uh, you know, we like, we had a makeup artist. So like 10 years from now, I'm going to look back and be like, man, I look, I look good two, three years <laughs> in a comedy, you know? And so, and then we, so we filmed this thing, we do it. And kind of what was interesting was we were, what Daria was saying about this, like press and media, we tried to if you're it's a Chicago based thing, you you can get on some Chicago radio, some Chicago like this happens to any local scene you, you might be a part of. Try to make it part of the city somehow, because that's how you get on people's radar, um, especially people who are like care about the city, care about what's going on. So we had all the proceeds went to a charity that was a Chicago based charity. So. We, because of that, got like a lot of good media coverage on the show. So we were in the paper, you know, we did the WGN radio. And then that was kind of the, the we really wanted to make it a Chicago kind of thing. And then like a year later, we, we get it all done. We release it and we kind of do the same thing. We were like, well, we want to make this to go number one on iTunes. We want to make this like a really good. And by that point, we had another year of stand up under our belt. We had another year of producing under our belt. So we kind of knew how to like, let's hit up all these media people again and be like hey this album's coming out we need you to push it and so we did that we did like all this stuff before the album came out and we ended up going number one on itunes and top 10 on the billboard charts which was like crazy to get an email from billboard and be like hey you're trending this week and we're like billboard like the britney spears billboard the same billboard Are we talking about the same you know like and it was just wild like this three chicago comics like you know three and a half years in a comedy have an album out that's number one um and it was like it was very surreal because you don't you're like we're doing all this stuff and we have no idea like how it's all happening but it kind of just goes back to like we never stopped like working like we never took our foot off the gas and kept producing more shows kept reinvesting the show making them better um but that is one like that is like the utmost example of creating opportunities because it's like no one's going to give you a special and like Turns out it's not that hard to go. Number one, <laughs> <Not iTunes. laughs> you know, but to Dario's point, it needs to sound good, you know, because this is an audio piece. So that's what's being put out there first. So if it sounds good, you're using the right equipment. And we had the, the great you know, sound set up and stage crew and everything. Um, it's just going to think about it. Someone in like Alabama is listening to it. They're like, oh, this sounds like professional. These guys must be legitimate comedians. I just yeah. haven't heard of them they don't, they don't know, you know, that it's like, it, it's all about the presentation and packaging and the branding. And then obviously the comedy was, was decent. It wasn't amazing, but it was still good enough to pass as like 20 minutes of competent stand-up. And I think that all that together made us realize like, it's not just about, you know, the performance. It's about all the other things behind that. And that's how you have to view every scenario is like, go into it with like not like what, what can this do for me, but what can I do for this room? You know, like mm-hmm. I'm going to come in and I'm going to perform to this degree because they might ask me to do an event here in six months. They might ask me to do something. And so you really have to try to make the best of every situation, which is very hard in comedy sometimes because it's so <laughs> depressing, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> but you can, if you have that mindset and that's why I love the be positive mentality is like, you really have to be optimistic. Cause if you, if you aren't, you can get really down on yourself very quickly And, you know, like we've had all have had moments where like, man, this is nothing's happening. I've been doing all these things and nothing's picking up. But like Pat, to what you were saying, one, it might lead into something else. You just never know. So you kind of have to keep your foot on the gas.
0: Oh, yeah. That's uh, you guys both did episodes with me of Pat Chat, my YouTube channel, which I had for a long time. And I had a goal of doing an episode every week, and the most I would really get viewership was like 80 views. Except for like the one time when the polar vortex came in, and I took my shirt off and did jumping jacks outside. I got three thousand and twenty cells, <laughs> man. I've been there telling you, you this. Also, uh, always also convinced me that my talents were not necessarily where they needed to be. It, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the thing is that I got out of doing that is that I had a goal to do an episode uh, once a week week and then twice a week. And I had joke writing as a part of that. And then I had to learn all the camera. I had to learn audio and I had to get very comfortable with talking to a camera as the only person in the room. And then, so like, really like no money ever came from it. I kind of had delusions of grandeur that I would make money from it. That's a big mistake to make early on doing something for the money. Definitely in the first couple of years, just do something to learn. Not, to make money. Yes, you will need to pay your bills. You have to take care of that. However, you need to take care of that. But when you go about things only to make money within comedy, you will you are only setting yourself up for vast amounts of disappointment and depression. Uh, like there's uh, occasionally in the first couple of years, someone hits really lucky. But uh, other than that, for the most part, if, like, if you go about it, And focus on learning, then you you will be happier. You will develop faster. You will learn faster. uh, And then something will happen. So to fast forward to what happened, the old pandemic struck and then people were asking me to do Zoom shows. Well, yeah, I was totally ready. I had everything I needed. I had the lights, I had the equipment. and And most importantly, I was super comfortable talking to a screen Without being able to see anybody, some comics were like, "I'm not going to do that. I can't see the audience at all." I was like, "I don't care. Like I've do this. I've been doing it by myself for three years. It, it, this doesn't just <laughs> doesn't matter to me. This is so easy for me to do, and like it like definitely gave me an advantage, which led to a lot of business and a lot of shows. So, uh, you know, but it, like if I looking back, I think I I learned so much, and that was the most important about all these things, like the YouTube channel that didn't really go anywhere, but I'd learned a ton from that. And so uh, it's just always be learning, I think, early on. And then you can learn from others as you create your own opportunities from yourself. And it's like, I keep saying, I'll say it again, you two met you two through comedy, like having an active pursuit of learning, of trying to figure things out, of asking you guys what was going on, what your thoughts were, what your how you thought things should be done. And that led to so much more for me in terms of learning about what I needed to do to create my own opportunities. So uh, I want to ask both of you, what are some uh, common mistakes that you've either made or you've seen comedians make early on uh, with regards to creating opportunities for themselves?
2: Uh, I'll go first on this one because, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about, it and it's something that I talk about all the time. Um, I think the worst mistake uh, people People do not just comedians, but the worst thing that people do uh, is that they they listen to other people that tell them this is the way it should go for it to work. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest mistake, because a lot of people stop doing what their gut tells them and what they're and probably what they're comfortable doing. Their skill level is, you know, because they're like they, you'll go into something thinking, oh, man, I could do it this way. But then you talk to somebody that's been there and they'll tell you no, don't do it because that's either corny or people going to not like you because of it or it's just not going to work. I tried it before. Um, I think that's the worst thing you could do. Um, and and kind of like what Vic has been talking about, what you've been talking about, what I've been talking about is uh, a lot of the opportunity comes just from, you know, sometimes you got to throw a dart at a dartboard and see where it lands. You know what I mean? Like, and if you, and if it fails, it fails, but at least you try. You know, I think, um, the the best example is Topo Chico. Uh, we we got the opportunity with Topo Chico because you know I badmouthed actually I badmouthed Topo Chico on the podcast <laughs> like, like I badmouthed them and then we we put it out you know on on Instagram tagged them they responded back to me I went back and forth with them and then Sarah she came back the very next podcast the next episode and said. Uh, hey, look, that's Dario me, I like him. you know what I mean <laughs> you know and, and next thing you know, she put it out there she said I'm gonna get this uh, sponsorship from Tobo Chico and I kid you not, two weeks after I start bad mouthing they were at our uh, in our inbox. So I think the worst thing somebody can do is to tell another person to not do something because it's either not cool, not fashionable, it's not gonna work. their personal experience in the past, comics out there man go if you got merch sell it you know what i mean like even if you sell one to a friend that you ain't seen in 10 years sell it because the the way i look at it the mentality of a hustler is somebody that's willing to go after an opportunity if somebody's telling you to not take opportunity that's going to make you some money if it ain't going to kill you i don't know why you wouldn't do it you know what i mean <laughs> like and if it's not detrimental to somebody else i don't know why you wouldn't do it Sell that merch. Sell that merch. Shoot your special. Sh- uh uh run that show. Uh, uh do whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? Long as it's, it's not hurting you or others, man, you never know what opportunity might not because you tried And somebody's like, like Vic said, I was at that show and I saw you. Come on down here. I got something else for you. You never know. So that's my that's my advice to anybody.
0: Yeah. Vic, what do you think, buddy? What are the mistakes you see people make or ones that you've made yourself?
1: Yeah, it's it's tough because, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, keeping your head down, doing the work and not kind of watching what other people are doing. Right. In comedy, that's very difficult to do because you're constantly you're we're all competing in a way. You know, we're all going for these same spots. We're all going for these same clubs. But uh, you you have to kind of only compete with yourself. Like, am I getting better every day? Am I creating the opportunities I want to create? Am I am I creating booking opportunities for other people? Am I like doing all the things I want to do? So you, the the line is I think is when you go to these shows and watch shows or you produce your own shows you're kind of pulling like what you want to include from all these other places so like you know we would watch these shows early on and be like um, this thing didn't work I, I didn't see, I saw it not working it's cool that they did that I don't think our show it's a good fit for our show so you're not uh, kind of going to your point too you're not duplicating what someone else is doing. You're just like, it's all taking best practices and then you're taking it and turning to your vision. So I think it's a lot of like comedy is like, it's a lot of market research. And then when you put out your product, how is it different? Because you're like, well, I've learned that this doesn't work in this room, but in my room, it may work. So I may have to try it and see if it, and also for my voice, maybe I'm a different speaker. Maybe I can, you know, my audience is younger, older. So you kind of have to that's why it's almost like comedy is like it's like experience versus versus wisdom right like wisdom is gained through experiences you I can tell you all these things but it's like until I go through them they're not going to really hit home for you so I always tell everyone whenever they ask me for comedy advice I'm always like I'm going to tell you these best practices things that I'm, I'm like hey maybe don't like if you're hosting don't say the person's name first and then their credits say their name at the end and then that's when you should bring them up Like there's things like that which are like black and white but then a lot of other things aren't as black and white a lot of other things are like they could work for you and not work for me so i think being able to kind of just like trying to live in this it's a little nebulous but it's like try to always have like how can i take the best of whatever i'm experiencing and and put it into my own art and my own production so that's like one thing but another mistake i see a lot of people doing is from their production like there's like 50 people involved like there's 20 producers there's like eight affiliate producers, and I'm like, the show has like two spots. Like, what are we doing? You know, there's <laughs> there's way too many people, and then the show is gonna be bad because it's this, like eight of these people shouldn't be doing eight minutes, you know. So you have to kind of, and also makes decisions very hard to make. If you have twenty people who all need an input, when you're trying to make a decision about like, hey, should we go with this color or this color for the poster? You got to run it by forty people in your production team. It's like, I'm not going to get a response back for two weeks. And then we've lost two weeks of promotion time. So keep your circle tight and have delineated responsibilities. Like, Mm. you know, for our production, it's like, I'm doing the social media stuff. Like Meg is designing the poster. Tyler's doing the marketing. Like there's very clear, you know, lines and we, and especially when we're running multiple shows, like Daria was saying, you got to have a spreadsheet, you got to have an organization system. And if you don't have these systems and again, they evolve over time, they get better. You know, you start to realize which ones are good and which ones aren't, but starting with some system is better than nothing because otherwise you're just like, you have a Facebook chat going and it's just huge. And then you're like, I'm trying to scroll back and see what happened and who said this, who said what. Um, But yeah, so that's another thing is don't have too many people internally kind of messing with it and have some delineated lines of responsibility. And that also prevents you from getting like, you know, having beef with your internal squad because it's like oh this person thought they were doing this and then you're like oh actually you're not doing that there, there can be people being offended and things like that so having that all set out before you even enter any endeavor is very key um and then be be a little humble like people are kind of there is a you know now I'm at the point where like I've even told Dario this I'll be on a show with Dario and he's like he's not going up or he's he's just there and I'm like yeah this is your show you should go up I'm like angry about it but then he's like no like <laughs> I, I went up like two weeks in a row. Like I'm, I, I booked a host cause I want to see this person host to see if they can host again. So be being able to kind of have that foresight. of like I can step away to give someone else an opportunity, but also to, he's looking at that person now to see if they can do another show. Like there's all different things that are going on. So keep in mind, like, yes, you're creating opportunities for yourself, but it's, if you create opportunities for other people, it'll come back around too. like, yeah people have been so nice to me about shows because they're like, hey, you you helped me get on the show like two years ago. And I remember that now I'm running a show here and I'd love for you to do it. And so you, it, you never know, like it, you're not trying to, you know, show trade or whatever, but people just remember like positive things you did. So just like treat everyone with respect, try to give people opportunities. Uh, don't assume, you know, you're all because you're like a lower, higher class comedian than somebody that you don't all like. No, none of this matters. So, you know, like just don't have a high horse about anything. Like it's all, it's all, we're all in the same, we're all comedians, you know, we're all trying to help each other and and we should view it like that and not view it as like, Oh, like he didn't book me on this two years ago. I'm not going to book him on my show. Like if he's a good fit for the show, he's going to do the show. Like that's it. It doesn't matter. I'm not trying to get anything out of it. The show is just going to be better because this person was a great fit for this crowd. And I think if you view it like that and not view it like, you know, in a, in a tunnel, it, it can help you make everything better and make your, make your life easier. Cause you're
2: unbiased, you know? You, you know, I think w- I'm going to say something real quick. Uh, what Vic said, and I was thinking about this earlier and uh, you know, I stepped away from the, my buddy shows, um, but I didn't step away. Kind of to Vic's point is you, you see people and those shows are still going. I'm not there. And that's rare in Chicago comedy and comedy in general that you can leave a show and and have a legacy, you know what I mean? Like, and, and like, you know, like, there's three different nights that have comedy now, uh, and, and I was a, I was easily, happily able to step step away and give somebody else an opportunity to kind of create their own lane. To Vic's point, I mean, that's I, that's a good call out, Vic, because I, I I was thinking about, it, I was like, yeah, that is true, but you have to kind of sit back and and let somebody else grow because if you you try to do it all on your own, it's you know that you don't you're doomed from the start too. Yeah.
1: And it's the other thing, too, on that is like you can only you can only do so many things. We all talk about having our hands in a lot of things. But, you know, Pat, you know, when you were producing 20 virtual shows a week during the pandemic, you were like, hey, can you host a couple of these? Because I'm going to die if I keep doing that. <laughs> I need to sleep. I need to vacation. I'm trying to propose like a lot of things are happening for me. So maybe you can host this one. It's like know your limits. You know, you got to have to, to kind of sometimes be like, hey, there's so much cool stuff happening right now. And. I'm giving comics so much work and I'm excited to create these opportunities, but also be a be you know, be cognizant of your own needs and be like, hey, I I am overextending myself. I need to to get someone else to come in and help me. And it's okay to ask for that help because then as soon as see you ask for the help, people are will jump to do it. They'll do it because you've done so much them that there's not even a hesitation you're like yeah of course i'll do it like because i also know the show is going to be good i know the comics going to be good it's like a no-brainer because you've established a brand that's already a high quality brand so if someone asked me to host something that's like i've done their show it's been trash every time and i'm like you know what i think i'm busy that night and forever <laughs> yeah. so yeah, yeah. And forever <laughs> yeah uh, indefinitely unavailable but it's like yeah if you work with good people it's just a it's a no-brainer and even like dario i'll call him up to do these private gigs with me and he's like and yeah, he's been, you know, kind of doing all these other things. So he's been, has him doing as much stand up because he's producing all this stuff and the, the podcast. And he's there. He's there, you know, and I can rely on him and he's solid. So it's just like you start to build those relationships and it's nice because then you don't need to worry about the show as much because you're like, I know it's going to be in good hands, even if I'm not there.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's uh, Vicky, What'd you say? So, and Dario, this is something we've talked about so many times. Just the secret is create. Opportunities for others, yeah. Just uh, you create opportunities for other people; opportunities will be created for you. It's it's like a a double bonus because then all all kinds of things happen. Uh, And what it's wild to think about is like as you know, Vic, you were just mentioning, are you got a podcast? You got shows that you're producing, any other projects? Then, as a comedian, when you are asked to be on someone else's show, it's so easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cause you're, cause you show up and you go, what do you, what do you need? I need 10 minutes. No problem.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: no pro- I, I don't, I don't need to help. I don't need to worry about the audio. I don't need to yeah. worry about everything else. I don't need to, I could just do 10 minutes of the, of the jokes like great, great. You know, it's like such a, a mental advantage. I feel like whenever, whenever I'm on anyone else's show, cause I'm like, Oh, I don't have to do any of this other stuff. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for you having me. You get is time wonderful. to look
1: over your set. You're not rushing. You're like, I don't have to seat people and then run up and host and, you know, <laughs> yes. and do all that. And, oh, it's so it's a huge being able to perform under like duress <laughs> I think yeah. is is, yeah. is a huge advantage. Because then if you get asked to do a private gig for people who are 85 and everyone half the audience dies during your set, literally, <laughs> You're okay. You're like, okay, this, this hurt a little bit, but nothing I can't deal with. You know? <laughs> uh,
0: you're referring to Tyler Fowler's experience or someone yeah. passed off yeah. in his middle of his set. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he knew how to handle it because he was such a great producer. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, guys, we got like five minutes. Are there any questions that either one of you want to ask or think that we need to talk about before we close this out?
2: Um, I don't have any questions, but I got, uh, this is, this, I got something to say because Vic just uh, hosted uh, at, at Zaney's and I, I went to see him uh, one of the nights and then I hosted the following weekend. So um, I do want to say this is for people to, that's out there. Don't be afraid to, to look at somebody else, observe and, and learn because there's one thing that Vic did during his hosting set that I took away. And, and, and I know a lot of people like, Dari, you the host, you do this. But I'm still learning. You know, I'm still learning. I'm still looking. So Vic, Vic said uh, right at the top, he goes, we're here for Amr, everybody. Mo Amr. He's here. We're here for them. We're there for them. And to me, I was like, a lot of people keep that a secret. You know what I mean? Like like nobody else in the room knows why they are there. You know what I mean? Like so, And like that was something that I typically do. I'm like, if I know I got a big headline, I never mention it until the person is there we all know why we're there. You know what I mean? Like, might as well say it. So, I literally did that during my set uh, this weekend, this past weekend, and I'm telling you, it was, like, easy to kind of, like, feel at home. The crowd didn't feel like they had to be, like, oh, I gotta sit through so-and-so just to get to the the point, yeah. the, the point X, you know? So, that, that little tip right there, and I'm telling Vic right now, man, thank you. That was good. It was, you didn't even know it. I never told you, but I, I looked at that. I was like, all right, let's do that. But, a lot of other people out here need to um, be, be humble and know when there's still opportunity to learn and, and get better at a craft, no matter how good of a friend they are, no matter how you might not like that person. You know, they might not talk to you, but you got to take that time and it's always the opportunity to learn something. So not a question, but more a statement, more of an observation and, and, and a tip for people out there.
1: Yeah, that's great. Thanks for thanks for sharing that, man. That uh, I, I learned that early on too. Was like, as a host and Pat, we did the Pat chat about this. Like, I think we kind of even went over this. Is tell the crowd what to expect up top, because so many people you'll find, which is wild, but we don't think about this because we do comedy like every day. So many people have never been to a live show. Yeah. So many people, their experience with stand up is watching it on Netflix. They haven't seen a show front to back in a live setting, so they don't know like you're the first person they're like, Oh, you're just the host. Like, wait, who's the co- Who's the comics? How yeah. many times have you heard that? They're like when the yeah. comics coming up, you're like, no, I'm a comic. i yeah. also just happen to be hosting this show. So yeah. you, it's important to tell them, you know, what to expect because that kind of settles people and it gives them like, Hey, Mo's coming. We got me and another comic first. And then Mo's going to come up. And in this case, and Dario saw there was like three comics. It was like a showcase. Yeah. <laughs> it was like so yeah. many comics before Mo, but you you make it make it feel special. I'm like, Mo's coming up at the end, but we got three special guests and we got me hosting. So like it makes it feel cool. But then the audience is at ease. They understand they don't get mad after every comic. Like, where's Mo? Like they know he's coming, but they also get some special stuff, too. So set the expectation up front. And the same thing when you're hosting like the Laugh Factory, you're like, hey, you're going to see like six or seven of Chicago's best comics, like just give them that kind of prep so they know what's happening. And that goes to what's producing too, is like when you, you run a show, tell them why, you know, what's specific about this show. So we're doing a show at a distillery. Like, why is that cool? It's because we get, you know, they make all their spirits in house. Like what is the kind of value of this like thing I'm putting out? And so just be really clear and be really, you know, kind of, put out what's different about it or what's like the expectation. So then people, people feel at ease when they're like, Oh, that's cool. I know I'm going to have to get two drinks, but they're going to be like amazing drinks. Cause we're at a distillery. It's not yeah. going to be like Bud Light. So I'm excited right. about that, you know? So it's kind of like set the expectation as early as you can. And that's with, that's with anything, to be honest, it's not just hosting it's with anything in comedy, I right. think.
0: Oh, fantastic points. Gentlemen, before we close out, uh, one, uh, after I hit record, stop, I'm going to, I want to talk to you guys about another opportunity that uh, has come about for some performing. Uh, and, uh, but before we do, before I hit that magic button and do the outro, uh, what would you like to plug? Uh, Vic, let's start with you and finish with Dario. Um, Right now,
1: I will plug my Instagram and Twitter. It's just at Vic Pandya. I got a ton of shows coming up all over town and then across the the Midwest. So if you're in a city that I'm coming to, please check me out. Um, Doing some longer sets on the road. So hit me up. And uh, if you want a show in your town, we can run something too. So trying to do some pop-up shows across the Midwest. Um, And then there's like a bunch of stuff. You can listen to my albums, watch the web series. I'm in Code Switch. Just hit the link tree you'll see it in my, on my Instagram and and all the projects I'm involved
2: with. Dario? Yeah. Uh, Dario D comedy for me personally, you can, uh, you can, you can find me everywhere on social media by that handle. Uh, Also visit Dario Stay up on everything I got going on. Um, 77 flavors of Chicago got some fantastic work uh, coming down the pipeline. Um, We're part of, uh, we're going to be a part of Chicago's open house. Um, where there are over 100 plus sites, historical sites in the city. And they get high profile people uh, to uh, kind of highlight uh, the different parts of the city for tourism and things like that. So uh, we've been blessed with the opportunity to be a part of that in October. So stay tuned for that. And then in general, um, be on the lookout for Be Positive Pride uh, Productions. Uh, go to BePositivePride.com. Ton of information, ton of things, ton of things coming down the line. I can't say yet, but we got some big mega projects coming. Um, there's a ton of great shows that we run. You can catch everything there. And it's a bunch of great people putting in some creativity uh, to make sure this ship still runs. But uh, we got a lot of things coming. So stay tuned. Again, listen to our album also on iTunes. Laughter is good for the soul. Uh, debut number one, not on Billboard, but in its category. So, <laughs> But uh, but you can follow, you can find us everywhere
0: terrific all right dario Vic, guys this was a terrific episode thank you so much for doing it everyone that's going to wrap it up follow us on instagram at of the comics or you can go to our website of the comics that is of the comics this has been another wonderful episode of the comics by the comics for the comics i've been your host pat sure boy we're thankful for everything all right everyone until next time